I'll start by saying thank you to everybody who's been praying for me when I actually two months ago slipped on an icy step and broke both my wrists, but I'm doing okay. Thank you for your prayers. Yeah. Um, I'm blessed to have a rich heritage that I know that my great-great-grandmother on my mum's side and my great-grandfather on my dad's side were Christians and those generations coming down have really enriched our family's life. I was born in Whanganui, the birthplace of my father, and my mother's roots are in Nelson. Our family moved there when I was four years old, and I spent my childhood and teenage years there. I'm the second of five children with three brothers and a younger sister. My parents were actively involved in our local church, and I really enjoyed our church family because there was people there from every decade and so old and young. We had great singing and interesting sermons. Sundays were full with Sunday school at 9.30, morning service at 11 with worship, teaching and communion, then a gospel service at 7. During the week, my siblings and I were involved in Boys Brigade and Girls Brigade. We had a good life with the best of both worlds. We lived three miles from the city and my grandfather's farm was across the road and we spent a lot of time there. The first time I was aware of God speaking to me, I was 10. Billy Graham was in New Zealand and held meetings in Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch. And these meetings were relayed by live landline to public gatherings and other centres. No TV in New Zealand then. Yeah, it was state of the art. <laughs> I remember being part of the crowd in the Stoke Memorial Hall, sitting about three quarters of the way back. The curtains were pulled across the stage and there were floral decorations on each side near large speakers and we all joined in as if we were there singing and listening. At the end of his sermon, Billy Graham invited those who wanted to ask Jesus to be their saviour and invite him into their life to walk forward to the front while we sang the hymn, Just As I Am. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, will welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because thy promise, I believe, a Lamb of God, I come. During the last verses while we were singing, Billy Graham kept speaking and encouraging people to respond. A boy I knew named Roger, he was sitting two rows in front of me, and I saw him walk forward. A strong, clear thought in my mind said, one day you're going to do that. And I understood what Roger was doing and what Billy Graham was saying. I didn't feel any impulse to respond at that time, but later I knew that it was God speaking to me. However, for the next two years, every Sunday evening at our gospel service, I had an excuse as to why I couldn't go forward when the invitation was given. Stupid excuses. Like there are too many people to squeeze past. I'm too far back and it's a long way to walk. Other silly excuses. I would grip the back of the seat in front of me and my heart would be pounding. It was a real battle. Then one Sunday evening we arrived and the church was already full as there was a boys' brigade parade. So chairs were put at the end of the pews in the aisles for extra seating. I ended up sitting in a chair two rows from the front. As usual, the appeal was given to invite Jesus into your life. We sang a hymn and when it ended... I shut my hymn book, just as the minister said, we'll sing that last verse again. 
Well, I fumbled to find the page and ended up dropping the book. Then God clearly said, well, what's your excuse tonight? (laughs) I really heard that. I knew I had none. It only took me two steps to get to the front. At 12 years old, I knew asking Jesus into my heart as my saviour meant I would get to heaven. Because of that experience, I'm mindful not to underestimate how God can speak to young children. It was as vivid and real to me then as a 10, 12-year-old as much as God speaking to me today. I thank God for the faithful prayers of my grandmother and parents who kept me before the throne of God and also two of my Sunday school teachers whom my mum later told me they prayed earnestly for all the children that they taught. I recall three specific times in my mid to late teens being challenged about mission work. The first was when a team of four young men from the United Māori Mission with their leader, Charlie Bennett, visited our church. Charlie said, you don't have to go overseas to be on a mission field. There's one right here in New Zealand on the East Coast. I'd never been there, but after that, whenever I heard East Coast, I thought mission field. Teenage years had its ups and downs, as they do, and it was at a youth camp when I was 18 that I was challenged to make Jesus my Lord. The phrase Lord and Saviour often go together, so I thought that he was. But when the speaker made a list of areas of our lives that we need to put Jesus first in, well, that made me realise I fell way short, so I responded and put that right. I feel that that was when I was born again, because that's when my life really changed. I got involved with Youth for Christ and later Open Air Campaigners who brought a team over from Wellington at Christmas time to run holiday programs at campgrounds and beaches in Nelson. When I was 21, I left home and went to Auckland for a three-month course at Cape and Ray Bible School in Howick. While I was there, I learned that Jesus doesn't want to just live in us, but he wants to live through us by the Holy Spirit. While I was alone one night, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And from then on, I began to experience God in new and exciting ways and could tangibly feel myself growing stronger in my faith and relationship with Jesus. After Cape and Ray, I boarded with a widow and her three young children who attended Hillsborough Baptist Church. A home group I went to was led by George Dawson, who taught us how to hear the voice of the Lord. There were several instances of very clear direction for me in seeing God answer prayer. Joy and her husband Jim later went to work with YWAM in California. The following year, within four weeks, my life changed dramatically as I started a new job working in an OAC office. I moved to a flat and I changed churches from Hillsborough to Valley Road Baptist and I met John, who would later become my husband. Like My life just flipped around. Working in OAC was such a life-changing time, a a faith-growing time. Um, God is faithful when he says he will meet all our needs. We had two full-time evangelists and me in the office. Income was solely from donations to the mission. The bills were paid first, and then what remained was used to give the workers a monthly allowance. In the two years I was there, there were only three months that we didn't get a full allowance. 
Often when all was paid, there were two or three dollars left over at the end of the month. God knew exactly how much was needed. This experience strengthened my faith to believe God will provide. He knows our need and he's faithful to his word. These were exciting days in New Zealand as, as New Zealand was experiencing a ripple effect of the Jesus movement in California. You might have seen the film um, Jesus Revolution that was released this year. We were on fire for Jesus, unafraid and courageous, courageous to talk to people about him. And Winky Prattney encouraged and inspired us a lot. Meeting John was my introduction to Māori culture, although I had childhood friends who were Māori. He was on staff with the United Māori Mission who had two hostels in Epsom where boys would come to do their trade training. Forty boys in each, plus a girls' hostel in Ponsonby. And I again met Charlie Bennett, and John told me that he was meant to be part of the team that I heard in my mid-teens, but he wasn't able to go. I always thought God has his timing for when we meet. John's ministry was singing. In those days, there would be a song immediately before the speaker. There are many scriptures that speak of singers preparing the way. And John spent over 20 years ministering with Moody Thompson, which took him to churches of most denominations and as far as the Solomon Islands, where God moved mightily in revival at that time. When we met, he was singing in a different church every Sunday around the Auckland region, with Murray being invited to speak about the revival. After a year of hearing these stories, I felt like I had been there. John was invited to sing at many small and large events, including the 1972 Jesus Marches throughout New Zealand and at the final march to Parliament where 20,000 gathered. That's a story in itself. No time for that today. After we married, we bought a house in New Lynn in Auckland. John went back to working as, a, as an electrician and I looked for a new job. I checked the newspaper but nothing felt right. As I looked, I kept thinking of John and Val Clark, my, old, my former Bible class leader, who had Philadelphia Christian books in Queen Street. After four weeks, I went to see him and asked if he had a position available. His reaction was one of joy and relief. He told me that he never advertised for staff, as God had given him a word, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he believed that God would bring people to him. He had been waiting on God for four weeks. I felt guilty that I hadn't obeyed the prompting of the Lord earlier, and this has been an unforgettable lesson to obey promptly. The house we bought was a do-up, as John wanted to do the work himself and not keen on increasing our mortgage. We spent the next 13 years living with house alterations, um, doing an extension and changing rooms as we had the money. He was a hard worker, but I found it challenging on many levels and learned to be content with what we had. Raising four children, we were actively involved in church and John's singing ministry, which took him away from home at times. He sang at the Auckland Town Hall at the United, annual United Murray Mission Festival of Song and at a Queen Street AOG Easter Convention. And he ministered in song at Alexandra Park, Green Lane, and Mount Smart Stadium, when international evangelists came to New Zealand, Tom Skinner, Louise Palo, and other events. 
During my early 30s, I experienced God healing me from rheumatoid arthritis, protecting our family in a serious car accident, and the death of my father. All stories take too long to share now. Fast forward a number of years, we again prayed seriously about our calling to mission. Long story short, we moved to Ruatoria in 1986, and John was ordained as an Anglican minister at his marae in Whareponga. As this was a self-supporting role, John applied for a youth pos worker position funded through Internal Affairs, but it took nine months for it to be finalised. Meantime, we lived off what little savings we had, and without making our needs known, trusted God to provide, just like he did in OAC days. We'd been in Ruatoria three months when my cousin sent us a cheque for $500. He and his family had just four weeks before arrived home from their SIM mission in field in Africa. I remember thanking God with tears in my eyes as I knew this had to be from him. I felt God was confirming to us that we were in the right place and he was not going to leave us destitute. That was the month our insurances were due. We were often given leftover food from our light lunch after church, and the ones who gave it did not know that they were providing our evening meal. During our two years there, Rastafarians burned three of our churches, and two of our children lost their classrooms in the school fire. But they were spiritually fruitful years as we saw souls saved. And we also met Bay and Jamo during that time when we first arrived in Ruatoria. God gave me a scripture shortly before we were going there, and it actually sums up our time there perfectly. Acts 28, last two verses. After this, Paul lived there for two entire years at his own expense, in his own rented lodging, and he welcomed all who came to him, preaching to them the kingdom of God, and teaching them about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and quite openly, and without being molested or hindered. We continued in Māori Anglican ministry for a further 15 years together, living in Rotorua, Auckland, where John studied at St John's College, then to Napier while working in central Hawke's Bay. John was then appointed Kaihotu for Tairawhiti region, which stretched from Hicks Bay to Woodville, of a nationwide tertiary education programme for Māori Anglican and I was offered the job as the role of administrator due to my previous office experience. And later, I worked for Archbishop Brown two days office until I retired. When we lived in Napier, we started planning to build a batch at Whareponga, and John wanted to retire there. I thought, oh, it's such a remote place, and I like people around me. And when visiting my mum in Nelson, I was talking with the speaker after church as he knew my son, and he randomly had a word for me. He said, God told me to tell you, you will not be lonely in your old age. I took great comfort in that. We moved to Gisborne in 2002, and John suddenly died of a heart attack 18 months later. Our daughter Mel had come for the long weekend with our only grandchild at that time to be with John for his birthday. He'd been working on the batch, we were at Whareponga, and he'd gone to get a crayfish for tea and didn't come back from his dive. Long story short, Search and rescue would com commence in the morning, and we waited overnight. I felt re 
led to read Daily Light out loud with Mel, which has scriptures on a theme for morning and evening. Halfway down the page, the verse was, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. When it got to the end of that line, God said to me very clearly, Don't worry about your future. I immediately thought of a B.J. Thomas song John used to sing, God's got it all in control. And a deep peace enveloped me. It says, he's got it all in control. He's got it all in control. He's put that reassurance way down in my soul. He's got it all in control. I've put my life in his hands. I've put my life in his hands. So every road I walk down, I'm sure, is in his plan. Because I've put my life in his hands. He holds the stars in the sky. He holds the land back from the sea. If he can do all of that, surely he can take care of you and me. He's got it all in control. It was a moment when I knew God would be faithful to his word. I trusted him. That peace remained throughout the whole of John's tonguey, not just with me, but with others as well. His cousin Tyner said, this was a peaceful tonguey. John was a peaceful man. He died the day after his 59th birthday. And it was four months after this that I began attending Wainui Beach Community Church. Changed its name a couple of times now. As I had no relatives in Gisborne, the church became my family. Bruce and Shirley were pastors then. I love this family of God. I really do. C.T. Studd said, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice is too great for me to make for him. Pass the baton on to your family and those around you.